What's up, everybody? It's Dante, a.k.a. The Forensics Guy, and you are listening to The Forensics Experience, the podcast where we discuss topics in the speech and debate community with the world's most influential coaches, students, and alumni in the activity. And today, I am super, 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 like you don't understand how many teachers I can add in there excited to be sitting with Katrina Lee, uh, one of my old students uh, from Brooklyn High School. I am super, super excited to introduce her, but I'm going to stop because I want her to be able to give us that introduction herself. So, Katrina, uh, could you please tell us, you know, who you are and what do you do for the speech in the big news? Yeah. Um, so, hi, guys. My name is Katrina Lee. Um, super excited to be here, and thank you for having me. Um, so, I've done forensics and speech for about seven years. I started when I was in middle school. And I did it all the way throughout high school. Um, I dabbled a bit in debate um, as well in the beginning of high school. And um, now I'm on my way to college. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. And um, you, if, I, I feel like the one thing you, you, know, you didn't get to tell us is, you know, you were a state champion, right? Um, yeah. So I was a state finalist um, okay. last year. And I also, during my high school forensics career, I was um, an NSDA quarter finalist and um, <laughs> thanks, um, and three time NCFL octo finalist. That is awesome. Uh, you are a true, true inspiration to the community. You are doing amazing. Um, so I want to, um, like I said, kind of for most people who know um, and have been listening to these episodes at this point you probably uh, the audience already heard me do one or two of these uh, episodes where I'm just kind of getting accounts from old students that I've worked with and really just trying to figure out you know um, their like legacy in the speaking of community and the things that they have endured in order to get to where they are and uh, getting their insights on you know how they feel about the community and um, you know it would be awesome I hope that all of them have some type of uh, continued impact in the community as they see to grow older but um, that's you know all I have to hope for so uh, let's start with that um, so my first question is actually Katrina uh, what was your favorite category um, and I guess I guess to be specific with that, I probably would say what was the primary category. But you never know. Maybe your favorite category is something <laughs> that you've never tried. So, um, but what was your primary category when participating in speech and debate? Yeah. Um, so I did DI, which is um, dramatic interpretation. Um, that was kind of like my primary category throughout high school. Um, yeah, it's really awesome, super fun. I absolutely loved it. Awesome. Um, I'm sure most people, you know, uh, that are listening, um, just as usual, they are probably newer speech and debate students, and they are wondering how can they be as great as the great Katrina Lee on this podcast. So I'm curious then to figuring out, you know, what was it that made you successful at DI, and what advice, I guess, would you give to, you know, those freshmen at Brookfield East that also want to be 
IDI, like what's going to be able to differentiate them and hopefully get them to stop? Yeah. Um, so I think one of the things that I loved most about DI was how um, how much of it is rooted in realism. And I think that's what differentiates someone who's like a really top-notch level DI um, competitor from um, the rest. Um, so in DI, a lot of people, you know, pull um, stories from memoirs, um, autobiographies, biographies. Um, and the thing you have to keep in mind as you're doing all these pieces is that, you know, the stories that these people are about or whoever wrote them, um, they aren't just, you know, singular movements that make them a character. Um, I know when people start getting into like the acting categories, you kind of think, oh, well, how should I move my hand this way? Or what certain movements or specific movements do I need? in order to, to convey a point. And I think if you step back and look at the person as a whole, um, as a collection of experiences that has shaped the way they are and shaped their story, um, I think that will really help you develop that characterization and that layering that you need. That is a really, really great point. Um, I think that a lot of uh, DI is most at some time. Um, and it's very, very important, I think, uh, to reiterate the fact for those listening that DI, in its essence, you know, we, we always look at, I feel like a lot of people look at speech in the day and hear speech in the day. And I think the first thing that really pops into people's minds is just to say easily for some reason. Maybe mm -hmm. it's the last word in that phrase, but um, and then when you're thinking of speech, it's always just, you know, the platform speeches and we forget about DI. And so many people, when they perform DI, they do it in such a platform way as opposed to trying to dive into the character. Um, and as a, as a person who also did, you know, theater and things of that nature, um, I think it's very important to try to emulate and bring more method acting into um, your script. Uh, when you're doing the DI, you know, it's just literally just 10 minutes of uh, presentation, but it should, you should, you should know the whole story around it. Um, yeah. So that's a very, very important, um, idea there to just kind of continue to build yourself and your strength off of being able to perform in yacht. So um, you have been doing speech today, you said for seven years, so uh, you started in seventh grade? Yep. Uh, well, it's back in sixth grade, yeah. Sixth grade, okay, awesome. Um, wow, that's, yeah, that's crazy, that's amazing. So um, <laughs> what, I know, I think one thing that a lot of um, states are missing is middle school teaching debates. Um, it's right. not the largest. Um, it's not probably one of the largest um, states that have like a lot of middle school teaching debates, even at a very competitive level, which is really amazing. Um, but with those extra years, uh, do you think um, with, with that, do you think that kind of gave you any type of edge that other, you know, just solo high school students had, or um, what What were some differences in general that you noticed from middle school teaching the base to uh, high school? Yeah, um, I think for me, uh, personally, I don't think I would have ever done high school speech and debate had I not done it in middle school. Really? 
Um, yeah. So, well, before I did middle school forensics and debate, um, I used to be like this really shy person. Um, and I like was so scared to talk in front of people. And um, funny story is I thought the forensics team was like forensic science, you know? Um, so <laughs> I like, I just joined the team because, you know, that's what I thought it was. Um, I had no idea it was speech and debate. Um, but the first year I did like middle school forensics, um, you know, I had a partner. I didn't want to let her down either. Um, so, you know, I was just like, why not? Let's just go for it. Um, but, you know, it's that feeling, that feeling that you take away um, from doing it all those years in middle school, um, you know, being able to not only one, learn the techniques of public speaking, but also you learn a lot just from listening to other people's pieces. And that was the main takeaway for me. Um, and I think getting that early introduction is what helped me a lot in high school to one, not only join a team, but also two, to um, really appreciate the beauty of forensics and speech. Those listening, all my coaches, uh, maybe they'll take a you know marking like that, walk into a science class and say, hey, you should be forensics in there and then take attention. But I like that because I know that that is a very, very common thing. So mm-hmm. uh, I love forensics so much. And, um, I've even had, you know, some elementary students in some of my classes um, in the past, they would join and parents would be like, oh, this is awesome. We're going to do some, you know, some research on some dead bodies and some other stuff. But <laughs> yeah. actually, it was very, very far from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so some, some parents might have been a little sad, but, um, but they <laughs> stayed. And uh, it's really awesome that, that you were in the, kind of in the same boat. You know, you saw this kind of science um, just a little bit of fun, Yeah, um, I honestly would have loved to. I didn't actually try any during my um, experience, but those were categories I love watching. Um, and they were, I just always thought they were so cool and um, they would have been so fun to do. But no, unfortunately, I didn't. That's, that's fair. Um, I've always been kind of seen like, um, you know, so, so was PI, that was your, PI was the main category. Um, yeah. Did you try any other categories? 
Or were you just kind of one track minded, like, I'm going to do BI and do my absolute best to film this? Yeah, um, so in when I first started out, um, I did infomercial. Um, so this was in middle school. And then I did storytelling. Um, and then I did one year of DI in eighth grade. And then in high school, I think I did poetry and prose. Um, and then POI, which is program oral interpretation. And then OIL, which is basically poetry and prose together. Um, but in one category. Um, so those were some of the other categories that I did. Nice. And for those listening, I know a lot of states don't uh, all have storytelling, so that is, um, yes, that is a category. Uh, if you're familiar with nationals, you can know storytelling, but um, out here it is a primary, or I shouldn't say out here, because I don't live in Wisconsin anymore. <laughs> uh, but out in Wisconsin, it is a uh, primary category. Um, and then for those also that don't know, uh, infomercial. Um, I don't think there's any other, I don't think there's any state that even has infomercial at all. That's just such a unique category. Um, but if you've never done infomercial, it is literally such a unique the best tribute to Jimmy Mays. Um, so, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun category to try out. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome that you did infomercial storytelling. Um, those are, I think, in its essence, those are really great categories that have to be in lead up to this guy. I think, um, story, I mean, as most people don't know and don't think about too often, I feel like storytelling is the original category. You know? it's, yeah. It's meant from the form. It was the original way to potentially be, be creative, to have an opportunity to have like a platform and just um, be so charismatic with the way that you tell a story. That's all DI is. DI is literally storytelling itself. You also are including the DI community and how you're going to plot a picture. It's, 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 a, it's a very calculated story. And it's really cool to think about storytelling. I honestly would say that's the first category that anybody would try is available in the state. Most states would have it. You know, it's the primary category, honestly. Um, but, oh man, um, so I want to dive a little bit into your experience and what have you opportunity to be at. Maybe four companies, four victories, and at least top one for what I mean to teach in the day. Um, even though it is like the number one school high school. But it was, it's such an amazing school uh, for those who aren't familiar with it, as we were working there and coaching in the day. It was a privilege to be there. I had the honor to teach in the amazing coaches. Thank you. Of course. Um, but I am very, I'm kind of curious. Um, I know that, I, like, if I'm not mistaken, because you get to now, so were you, were you a freshman during my first year there? 
Um, I was a freshman in 2015. Okay, so, so I think that was my that might have been my first year. Yeah. Um, or yeah, that probably that, yeah, I think that was my first year. Okay. I was gonna say because I know um just to even honestly like past like six seven years total, like the, the team has been under a lot of different, you know, changes. Yeah. Mr. Meyer, who's an amazing dad and coach, has been doing really great things with you all, and I'm super proud of that. And we got Justin and some other great coaches, and uh, big rest in peace to one of the, like, honestly, one of my favorite coaches of all time, uh, Steve Sexton, who has done some amazing things, have been coaching for longer than you and I have been alive, you know, combined. Um, so it's just really awesome. Um, to have worked with so many great coaches. Um, but um, but I, I guess to kind of move forward and, you know, uh, before I get too sappy is to um, kind of ask, you know, what were um, a two-parted question is, what was something at Brookfield East that you, if you were the coach, would you change um, in the system, you know? And then if you were the coach as well, uh, what is something that you're like, no, this is perfect, and I'm so glad we are doing this. We're going to keep this, I hope we keep this forever, you know, the one thing that we're doing really great as uh, coaching staff. Yeah. Um, so I think for, so, I mean, my team is phenomenal. Um, one thing I definitely would not change is the incredible amount of support and team spirit that um, is like the main driving force of the team, I feel like. Definitely. Um, I feel like my freshman year, you know, like freshman in high school, I was like really scared to perform my piece in front of anyone. Um, but then like specific seniors like Sean Glatch, Bella Heindick, I mean, they were there for me every step of the way. Um, and like their support and enthusiasm is probably what got me to stay in forensics. Um, in high school, so that, like, and that from the coaches too, um, not just team members, like, that's my favorite thing about the team. Um, Definite. Yeah, for sure. If I had to change anything, um, I'd say we have a tendency to do everything last minute. Um, <laughs> uh, myself included, um, you know, I had a terrible habit of like cutting my pieces at 2 a.m. in the morning, uh, and the day before, <laughs> the day of the morning, actually. Um, so yeah, maybe, you know, make sure everyone's on track, stuff like that. Um, but I feel like that's just us high schoolers, you know, um, just procrastinate and do everything at the last possible minute. <laughs> That is uh, that is very true and very fair. Um, I know, I mean, that's, I don't even think that's high schoolers, you know. I'm pretty sure yeah. coaches that are listening are like, yeah, that's me too. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, it's definitely just a, it's a human trait that we need all need to work on. Let's try to yeah. procrastinate a little bit less today. Um, mm -hmm. But that's a, that's a great point um, to bring up. And I'm, uh, yeah, glad you brought that up. Um, I, you know, as, as is a idea for some coaches, you know, that are probably listening and thinking about 
uh, some of those words that you said, and maybe there's some things that you can implement into um, your team as you're listening, you all. But um, I definitely know that, you know, no team is no team, no structure, no format is truly perfect. And it always takes time. And it's really awesome when you can just be 100% real and realize, you know, what are we doing well and what is it that we can, you know, change and get better about. Um, and uh, I think that this comes at a very, uh, very, very specific time, uh, especially right now. Um, I'd say it feels very timely, you know. Um, mm-hmm. For those that are listening, um, I, I don't think this episode will come out until I think like late July. Uh, but if but at the time we're recording, you know, there's still a lot of uh, tension and a lot of things going on specifically with you know Black Lives Matter and yeah. and movements that are affecting our country and uh, um, it's honestly a moment to think about you know I feel that as a country we're a little late you know um, we are it looks like we're finally making some 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 things happen we're finally as in the words of Katrina basically cutting our pieces um and trying to get things to work out but uh we're definitely doing it late we're definitely doing it the night before um and unfortunately in the case of people like george floyd we're doing it the night after um and it makes no sense to cut your piece after you've already uh presented so um in this world we're definitely trying to hopefully get better um and i hope that i hope that we do um and I hope that we have a lot of changes for um, not just African-Americans in our country, but just overall everything. Um, I know that I want to specifically make the speech and debate space a lot better. Um, and there's a lot of mm-hmm. things that I hope to do that will hopefully change that in the future. So I'm continuing to ride the train of making the world a better place if I can. Um, but uh, as I said, that that was very... It felt very timely um, and very notable to be able to say that. So I'm glad that I was able to mention that and um, theoretically be as unapologetically black as I can. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, um, and also you brought up yeah. like a very good point when I was like listening to you say that. Um, another thing about speech and debate too, I think uh-huh. um, if I could add on to like what I said previously about like not procrastinating is. Um, you know, like when you enter that room, you learn so much, not just like watching other people perform, but like about all these stories um, that make you really think about the world around you. That's like kind of vague, but like, for example, we were talking about Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I don't think how many people realize, um, or like my, I myself, I didn't realize um, how systemic um, it was like how racism itself was a system and it wasn't just directly a result of the system. Um, yeah. And so, but like, you know, watching several pieces about that in the forensics arena, you know, that really helped me see that. And I think like as coaches, as competitors in forensics and debate, um, if we can see beyond like the trophies and all the accolades that you can accumulate at the end of the year, and really start looking at, you know, what can we learn from each piece that we see? Um, I think that will really make your experience way more meaningful and engaging. 
that yeah <laughs> that is no that is I'm so glad you said that um I think that that's a really important place because um as you as we start to think about especially DI you know um like I said it comes from storytelling and uh, with that as a category you know this is a lot of people would you know um I think I think the I think the opinions are changed now but there probably was a period in time where people were like this isn't the platform blah 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 yeah. but but now I can definitely say that it is and I'm glad that you know most people can agree that like and like speech and debate is so awesome because you get the opportunity to tell your story you know you can literally pick any category and do it in a way that gives you an opportunity to tell your story to share your passions to share your loves your dreams and hopes and all of that you know if mm-hmm. you i i think that it's tough for a lot of people to find love for speech and debate but i know for myself as a coach especially when it came to recruiting middle schoolers you know i was i was lucky in the fact that a lot of you know people told me like oh kids just join because of you you know you're just Dante and the fun mm-hmm. guy that people just want to you know compete with and be on the team with I'm like okay great yeah, but like sure. there are always you know there are always people that don't fall in that line and I'm always trying to figure out how can I get them excited and I think it's just by figuring out their excitement you know there are kids who are like well, I would never do speech and debate you know I'm a I love basketball and I'm like okay let's find out how we can take that and make that exciting you know let's do a let's do a OO about you know how we should uh or how the ncaa the ncaa ought to pay their college performing students you know it doesn't have to be like a million dollars a year you know like basketball real basketball players but you know they're they definitely should receive some type of compensation um you know (laughs) or you know you can do a poem about how much you love to play basketball or let's do a di about a a young student who I don't know, was doing playing basketball and some tragic happened and now he's, you know, getting his degree. It's I don't know. Some something I'm just obviously spitting off the top of my head, but there's there's so many ways to take stuff that you love and stuff that you really want to be passionate about and make that come through when doing speech and debate. Because speech and debate gives everybody the opportunity to have a platform and that's probably my favorite thing. Um, I know that there are a lot of dividing lines when how that platform should be used sometimes, but in its essence, it's awesome to just see that there are people using it for the betterment of the community as a whole and being able to tell stories that will be able to move us and be able to change our viewpoint on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's so great. Um, I am, um, Yeah. Oh man, glad that you were able to um, also provide that answer and kind of talk a little bit more about that. Um, for for those listening, um, I yeah, um, hope that this episode was able to bring you a lot of um, ideas, a lot of things that you would want to do within your speech and debate community, um, and hopefully some of these answers were able to kind of help you think about, you know, how you can change your speech and debate team in the future. And as we go through these current times, you know, with having to perform uh, DIs now probably with masks on, um, we're, you know, just trying to, you know, come to a place where we can all um, do it together and do it in the best way possible. So um, 
yeah, I'm like I said, I'm just kind of spitting, but I am very, very, very grateful that Katrina was able to join me on the episode today. Um, it was an honor to have her, and I um, just from not being able, not having, well, I did see you last year, so it's been like a year since I've seen you because uh, I saw you at nationals, but mm-hmm. um, but you know, not being able to truly uh, get the opportunity to be around her and all of my old students, um, I kind of missed that. Miss that feeling of, you know, having such a great uh, program of kids to be around. And they um, definitely changed my life as much as I hope in some way I changed theirs. Um, So thank you again, Katrina, uh, for being on. And uh, for those listening, um, if you want to join in on the conversation, feel free to leave a comment down below. um, Or you can DM me on my Instagram or TikTok, uh, Twitter, whatever. I'm at the Forensics Guy. Um, I'm always checking those and always on there. So uh, feel free to comment um, or you can sign up for my email list. I totally forgot I have an email list, but people have signed up for it recently. Uh, so I'll add them um, and continue to send out monthly emails. Um, but yeah, feel free to join in whichever way you want to and uh, continue to support the podcast. Um, so uh, once again, a big thank you to Katrina. And uh, I am uh, super excited that you all got to listen to this episode. I'll continue to tune in every Wednesday and you will be able to hear more from the forensics experience. I will talk to you all later. Peace out.